Hey guys, it's me Ishita and today I'll be starting off with the 13th chapter that is the weekly test. If you haven't watched out the other chapters of Matilda, check it out. So now let's get started. The weekly test. At 2 o'clock sharp, the class assembled, including Miss Honey, who noted that the jug of water and the glass were in proper place. Then she took up a position standing right at the back. Everyone waited. Suddenly, in a march... That gigantic figure of the headmistress in her belted smock and green breeches. Good afternoon, children, she barked. Good afternoon, Miss Trunchbull, they chirped. The headmistress stood before the class, legs apart, hands on hip, glaring at the small boys and girls who sat nervously at their desk in front of her. Not a very pretty sight, she said. Her expressions were not of the utter disaster, as though they were looking at something a dog had done in the middle of the floor. Uh-uh, what a bunch of nauseating little rats you are. Everyone had the sense to stay silent. It makes me vomit, she went on, to think that I am going to have to put up with a load of garbage like you in my school for the next six years. I can see that I'm going to have expel as many of you as possible as soon as possible to save myself from going round the bent. She paused and snorted several times. It was a curious noise. You can hear the same sort of thing if you walk through a riding stable when the horse is being fed. I suppose, she went on, your mothers and fathers tell you you are wonderful. Well, I'm here to tell you the opposite. You better believe it. Stand up, everybody. They got quickly to their feet. Now put your hands out in front of you. And as I walk past, I want you to turn them over so I can see they are clean on both the sides. The trunchbull began a slow march along the rows of desks, inspecting the hands. All went well until she came to a small boy in the second row. What's your name? She barked. Nigel, the boy said. Nigel what? Nigel Hicks, the boy said. Nigel Hicks what? The trunchbull bellowed. She bellowed so loudly she nearly blew the little chap out of the window. That is it, Nigel said. Unless you want my middle names, I will. He was a brave little fellow and one that could see was trying not to be scared by the gorgon who towered above her. I don't want your niddle name blister, the gorgon bellowed. What is my name, Miss Trunchbull? Then use it to address me. Now then let's try again. What's your name? Nigel Hicks, Miss Trunchbull. Nigel said, that's better, the Trunchbull said. Your hands are flitty, Nigel. When did you last wash them? Well, let me think, Nigel said. That's rather difficult to remember exactly. It could have been yesterday or could have been the day before. The Trunchbull's whole body and face seems to swell up as though they were being inflated by a bicycle pump. I knew it, she bellowed. I knew as soon as I saw you that you're nothing but a piece of flit. What's your father's job? A savage worker? He's a doctor, Nigel said, and a jolly good one. He says we also covered with bugs anyway that a bit of extra dirt that never hurts anyone. I'm glad he's not my doctor, the Trunchbull said. And why, might I ask, is there a baked bean on the front of your shirt? We had them for lunch, Miss Trunchbull. And do you usually put your lunch in front of your shirt, Nigel? Is that what this famous doctor father of yours has taught you to do? Baked beans are hard to eat, Miss Trunchbull. They keep falling off my fork. You are disgusting, the Trunchbull bellowed. You're walking job factory. I don't wish to see any more of you today. Go and stand in the corner in one of your legs with face to the wall. But Miss Trunchbull, 
Don't you argue with me, boy, or I'll make you stand on your head. Now do as you're told. Nigel went. Now stay where you are, boy, while I test you on your spellings to see if you have learned anything at all this past week. And don't turn around when you talk to me. Keep your nasty little face to the wall. Now then, spell right. Which one? Nigel, the thing you do with a pen or the one that means the opposite of wrong. He happened to be an unusually bright child and his mother had worked hard with him at home on spellings and reading. The one with the pen, you little fool. It is to write in three minutes, you'll never forget it. She teaches us a lot of words in three minutes. And what exactly is the magic method, Miss Honey? Asked the husband. I'll show you, piped up the brain Nigel again, coming to rescue Miss Honey's. Can I put my other foot down and turn around, please, while I show you? You may do neither, snapped the trunchbull. Stay as you are and show me the just the same. All right, said Nigel, wobbling crazily on one leg. Miss Honey gives us a little song about each word and we'll sing it together and we'll learn the spelling it in no time. Would you like to hear the song about difficulty? I will be fascinated, the trunchbull said in dripping with sarcasm. Here's it, Nigel said. Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. FFI, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. LTY. That spells difficulty. How perfectly ruthless! Snorted the trunchbull. Why all these women married in any way are not meant to teach poetry when you are teaching spellings. Come it out, future Miss Honey. But it does teach us some of the harder words perfectly well, Miss Honey murmured. Don't argue with me, Miss Honey, the headmistress thundered. True as you're told, I shall not test the class on multiplication tables to see if Miss Honey has taught you anything at all in this direction. The trunch bull had returned to her place in front of the class and her diabolical gaze was moving slowly along the ropes of tiny purples. You, she barked, small at this boy called Rupert in the front row. What is two, six, seven? Seventeen, Rupert answered with foolish abandon. The trunch bull started advancing slow and soft-footed upon Rupert in the manner of a tigress stalking a small deer. Rupert suddenly became aware of the danger signals and quickly tried again. It's eighteen, he cried. Two sevens is eighteen, not sixteen. You ignorant little stocks! The trunch bull bellowed. You witless weed! You empty-headed hamster! You stupid glob of glue! She had now stained herself directly behind Rupert and suddenly she extended a hand of the size of a tennis racket and grabbed the hair on Rupert's head in a fist. Rupert had a lot of golden-colored hair. His mother thought it was beautiful to behold and took a delight in allowing it to grow extra long. The trunchbull had a great dislike for long hair on boys as she had for plates and pigtails on girls when she about to sew it. She took a firm grip on Rupert's Long golden tresses with her giant hand and then by raising her muscular right arm, she f- lifted the helpless boy clean out of the chair and held him afloat. Rupert yelled. He twisted and squirmed and kicked the air and went on yelling like a stuck pig. Miss Trunchbull bellowed. Two sevens are fourteen. Two sevens are fourteen. I'm not letting you go till you say it. From back of the class, Miss Honey cried out, Miss Trunchbull, please let him down. You're hurting him. All his ear might come out. And well, it might. It doesn't stop wriggling, snorted. Keep still, you squimmering worm. It really was an extraordinary sight to see this giant headmistress dangling the small boy 
high in the air and the boy spinning and twisting like something on the end of a string or shrieking his head off. Say it below the trench pole. Say two sevens are fourteen. Hurry up, I'll start joking you up and down the new hair really come out and we'll have enough it to stuff a sofa. Get on with it, boy. Say two sevens are fourteen and I'll get you go. To two seven are fourteens, gasped Rupert, whereupon the trunch bull threw to her word, opened her hand and quickly literally let him go. He was a long way off the ground when he released him and he plummeted to earth and hit the floor and bounced like a Football. Get up and stop whimpering, the trunchbull barked. Rupert got up and went back to his desk, massaging his scalp with both the hands. The trunchbull returned to in front of the class. The children sat hyper hypnotized. None of them has seen anything quite like this before. It was a splendid entertainment. It was better than a pan to mine with a big difference. In this room, there was an enormous human bomb in front of them, which was liable to explode and blow someone to bits any moment. The children's eyes were revited on the headmistress. I don't like small people, she said. Small people should never be seen by anybody. They should be kept out of sight in boxes like hairpins and buttons. I cannot for my life foresee why the children have to take so long to grow up. I think they do it on purpose. Another extremely brave little boy in front of the rose spoke. But you surely were a small person once, Trunchbull, weren't you? I was never a small person, she snapped. I've been large all my life and I don't see why others can't be the same way. But you must start it out as a baby. Me? A baby? The shouted the Trunchbull. How dare you suggest such a thing? What cheek? What infernal insolence? What's your name, boy? And stand up when you speak to me. The boy stood up. My name is Eric Ink, Miss Trunchbull. He said, Eric what? The Trunchbull shouted. Eh, ink, the boy said. Don't be an ass, boy. There's no such name. Look in the phone book, Eric said. You'll see my father under ink. Very well, then, the Trunchbull said. You may be ink, young man, but let me tell you something. You are not endable. You, I'll rub soon out of you if you try getting clever with me. Spell what? I don't understand. What do you want me to spell? Spell what, you idiot? Spell the what? What? W-O-T. Eric said, answering too quickly. There was a nasty silence. I'll give you another chance, Trunchbull said. No moving. Yeah, I Eric said, it's got an H in it. W-H-O-T. It's easy. In two large strides, the Trunchbull was behind Eric's desk and there she stood, a pillar of doom, towering over the helpless boy. Eric glanced fearfully back over his shoulder at the monster. I was right, wasn't I? He murmured nervously. You are wrong, Trunchbulba. In fact, you strike me as sort of a poisonous little pockmark that you always be wrong. You sit wrong, you look wrong, you speak wrong, you're long or around. I'll give you one more chance to spell what. Eric hesitated. Then he said very slowly, It's not W-O-T. It's not W-O-H-O-T. Ah, I know. It must be W-H-O-T-T. Standing behind Eric, the trunchbull reached out and took some of the boys two years with one each hand, pinching them between fingers and thumb. Ow! Eric cried. Ow! You're hurting me! I haven't started yet. The trunchbull said briskly, and now taking a firm grip onto his ears, she lifted him bootly out of his seat and held him afloat. Like Rupert before him, Eric squealed the house down.
From back of the classroom, Miss Honey cried out, Miss Trunchbull, don't please let him go. He is my come off. They'll never come off. The Trunchbull shouted back, I've discovered through long experience, Miss Honey, that the ears of small boy are stuck very firmly to their heads. Let him go, Miss Trunchbull, please, begged Miss Honey. You could damage him. You are really could. You could wrench him right now. Ears never come off, the Trunchbull shouted. They stretch much marvelously like these things are doing now, but I'm sure they'll never come off. Eric was squealing louder than ever and paddling with the air with his legs. Matilda had never seen a boy or anyone else for the matter held a, a flaw by ear. Like Miss Honey, she felt both ears were going to come off at any moment with all the weight that was on them. The Trunchbull was shouting, Spell the word what is spelled W-H-A-T. Now spell it, you little rot. Eric didn't hesitate. He had learned from watching Rupert a few minutes ago. Before that, quicker you answered, the quicker you were released. W-H-A-T. He squealed. Spells what? Still holding him by the ears, the trunchbull lowered him back into his chair behind the desk. Then she marched back into the front of the class, dusting off her hands one against the other like someone who was handling something rather grimy. That's the way you make them learn, Miss Honey? She said, you take it from me, it's no good just telling them. You have got to hammer into them. There's nothing like little twisting or twiddling to encourage them to remember things. It constrains their minds wonderfully. You could do them permanent damage, Miss Trunchbull. Miss Honey cried out, oh, I have. I'm quite sure I have. The Miss Anne grinning, Eric's ear will have stretched out considerably in the last couple of minutes. They'll be much longer now than they were before. That's nothing wrong with them, Miss Honey. It'll give him an instructive pixie look for the rest of his life. But Miss Trunchbull, oh, do shut up, hun, Miss Honey. You are as wet as any of them. You can cope in here and you can go and find a job in some cotton wool private school for rich brats. Well, you have been teaching for long as I have, you'll realize there's no good at all being kind to children. Read Nicholas Nickel by Miss Honey by Mr. Deckens. Read about Mr. Wackford Squeers, the admirable headmaster of Dothe Boys Hall. He knew how to handle little brutes, didn't he? He knew how to use the brooch, didn't he? He kept his backside so warm that he could find eggs and bacons on them. Oh, fine, book that. I don't suppose this bunch of moorns would have got there and ever read it because by the look of them, they were never going to learn and read anything. I've read it, Madela said quickly. The trunchbull flickered her head round and looked carefully at the small girl with dark hair with deep brown eyes sitting in the second row. What did you say? She asked sharply. I said, I've read it, Miss Trunchbull. Read what? Nicholas Nickelby. Miss Trunchbull, you're lying to me, madam. Mr. Trunchbull shouted, glaring at Matilda. Out there, there's a single child in the entire school read that book. And here you are, in unhatched shrimp, sitting in the lowest form. There is, trying to tell me a whooping great lie like that. Why did you do that? You must take me for a fool. Do you take me for a fool, child? Well, Matilda said, then she said this. She would like have to say, yeah, a jolly well Jew. But she would have been so sight. Well, she said again, still hesitating, still refusing to say no. The trunchbull sensed what the child was thinking, but she didn't like it. Stand up when you speak to me, she snapped. What's your name? Matilda stood up and said, My name is Matilda Wormwood, Miss Trunchbull. Wormwood, is it? The trunchbull said, In that case, you must be the daughter of that man who owns the Wormwood Motors. Yes, Miss Trunchbull. He's a crook. The 
Strange bull shouted. A week ago, he sold me a second-hand car that he said was almost new. I thought he had splendid fellow then, but his morning, while I was driving the car through the village, the entire engine fell out on the road. The whole thing was filled with sawdust. The man's a thief and a robber. I'll have skin for sausage if you see I don't. He's clever at his business. Clever, my foot! The Crunchbull shouted. Miss Honey tells me that you're meant to be clever too. Well, madam, I don't like clever people. They all are crooked. You are most certainly crooked. Before I fell out of with your father, he told me some very nasty stories about the way you behaved at home. But you better not try anything in the school, young lady. I shall be keeping a very careful eye on you from now on. Sit down and keep quiet. So guys, that's a word for today's chapter. I hope you love this. And uh, make sure you follow, click on the follow button and share it with your friends. I'll see you guys in the next chapter.